exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinku, and I'll be the host for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how you doing? Fantastic. Thank Fantastic? You. <laughs> for a Monday, that's good to hear. Uh, yeah, I mean, finally realized the school year's starting to wind down. Yeah, really. I went and saw my advisor today. He threw in the word graduation. I go, oh my God, I graduate next year. <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing to hear, but... I don't know. I don't know about anybody who's listening out there, but schedules are a pain in the butt. Yes, they are. <laughs> Always a big pain in the butt. Especially <laughs> so. when, you know, you get further along and you have these specific classes you need to take. Mm-hmm. They're just only offered at this time, like one time. It's like. And the thing about journalism classes, which is my major, is they all are at the exact same time. Monday, <laughs> Wednesday, 10.20 to 12.10. Every single class. <laughs> and then they don't offer it the next semester. And you're like, I have to take this class. Yep. What do I do? So you have to wait a whole year <laughs> yeah. to take that Ethics and law class. Yes, I'm taking that next year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Did you have a nice day yesterday? Beautiful outside. Oh, I know. I wish I would have spent more time out there, but I had homework to do. I was inside, but my window was open, and our house, let me tell you something, we're cheap. We never have our heat up. During the whole entire winter, 65 was the highest we went with our heat. Very hot. Yeah, and so our windows were open yesterday. Our house was at 78, and we were dying because we just we weren't used to it. Oh, yeah. It was was nice, but at the same time, it was like, ugh. It's like, oh, air conditioning now. But today, it's back to like 52. Yeah. But it was fine. It was just really windy today other than the wind. It was fine. Actually, I don't mind this weather. Like 60, 62. Yeah. I've always liked it. But uh, it looks like this week it's still supposed to be in the mid-60s most of the week, so at least we're not going to get like a snow dump on like Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. But um, we do have a lot to get to on today's show in the sports world. Uh, We're definitely going to be recapping the game that took place last week, the championship game between Butler and UConn, and how pathetic it was. Uh, We'll get to uh, Detroit Tigers. They have uh, their 10 games into the season right now, just finished up a game today against the Texas Rangers. We'll talk Detroit Red Wings playoffs starting Wednesday, get into that. Uh, the Pistons finally have been sold, so we will get to that. And have to get to the Masters, even though Megan doesn't want to. No. <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm just kidding. No, and the Masters, and we obviously will recap the Masters and Tiger Woods and all the good stuff that went down yesterday. But we are going to start the show off with the championship game that took place last Monday night. And this game was, again, Butler and Connecticut. In a game where... It was really a game of attrition for the fans, I think, watching this game. Uh, the final score, 53-41, to 41, UConn won. This was a game that was just so taxing to continually watch. 22-19 to 19 at the half. Reminds me of this Wisconsin-Penn State game I watched in the, in the tournament, uh, right before in the Big Ten tournament. Um, just a disgusting uh, first half. Second half, no better. Uh, UConn did finally uh, figure out how to shoot the ball a little bit. But Butler, uh, you might have thought there was a cover over the net because none of their shots were going down. They shot 18.8% for the game, which I have never seen a stat line like that. For, for a championship game, even a regular season game, for a team to shoot under 20% is absolutely atrocious. It's ungodly atrocious. I don't know how everyone 
stayed tuned to this game. This is the worst championship game I've ever seen. I've ever seen. Now, Megan, you watched the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I already recapped how bad it was, yeah. but I mean, why? Why do you think it was? Why do you think Butler played so bad? I mean, was it? What was it? Did they finally just was it a mental block? I mean. What was it with this team? I mean, you know, they played so well and played close games so well the whole tournament. I mean, what happened here? I don't know. Maybe the nerves got to them. I mean, it's totally possible. I, you can't, I can't really explain, you know, what happened to them. It was definitely it was a brutal game to watch. I Like I told you before the show, I, I zoned out a lot. I was on my computer, and I'd look up, oh, okay. And then they were talking about, like, the shooting statistics and everything, and it was just not pretty. It was just, it was a very sloppy game. No one can make anything. And it was just, it wasn't, It's that looked more to me like the first week of playing rather than the last game of yes. playing. That's how I felt. Like, I felt like that this was the team that was trying to work on the things they needed to fix. These these were both the teams. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, because of because of Butler, you know, not being able to shoot, you know, UConn came, came through. And I did say that I thought they'd win. Um, yeah. We both thought, yeah, that yeah. UConn would take this game. Yeah, and but I didn't think it was in this slop fest. Fifty-three to forty-one is such a low-scoring game. And you know, I, I've been talking about this with other people, and it's one thing when both teams maybe they really played really great defense, forced opponents to very difficult shots that just aren't going down. Mm-hmm. But these are so many just wide-open missed jump shots, yep. missed layups. Just, yep. I mean, just, uh, just the things that. They're not being contested. It's not a hand in the face all the time. This is college ball, and when you just can't even make a layup, I mean, Butler, they you know they did rebound the ball quite decent. I mean, I know they got out rebounded, but two or three shots right by the net, they can't get one of them in. Um, it just blew my mind. They shot nine for thirty-three from the three-point line. Uh, from the three-point line, uh, absolutely uh, awful. UConn didn't really shoot much better. They shot thirty-four uh, percent from the field for the game. They were one of eleven from three-point land as well. I mean, this game was just all around pathetic. Kemba Walker, who was you know the MVP, um, you know of this game of the tournament, you know Kemba Walker stat line sixteen points. Okay, nine rebounds. That, that's the stat line for the MVP of the game. That's the highest scoring player between both teams is 16 points. I just, I mean, I know that, you know, we talked about this before. Would it be better to have a Duke? Would it be better to have a Kansas? You know, bigger name teams, maybe better teams in the tournament? And the answer is yes. Because this game, you know, Connecticut, yeah, you know, they had a, they, they had a subpar game. But I think if they were playing maybe a better opponent, they would have raised their game. And they definitely didn't. Uh, Butler... Not, I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to be there. They won their games. They got there. Uh, congratulations for getting that far, um, you know, as an eight seed. But still, you know, put me to sleep. Uh, like you said, how many times can you zone out in a game, in a championship game? I've never seen a game this pathetic on this stage. I mean, whether you want to talk a Super Bowl, whether you want to talk about a, you know, a BCS National Championship football game, or even like a series in the NHL or the NBA, this was a bore. You, like you said, look like a preseason matchup between two teams that have barely played yet, have barely played all year. I, just, I don't even know what more to say about it. It's yeah. I mean, the the one thing that really bothered me throughout the game, and that's when I started to kind of be like okay well let's see if they can pick this up at halftime and it didn't get fixed was the down low um uh wow block shots uh-huh that was the one thing it was like wide open this guy's like four feet taller than the kid that's trying to block his shot and it just he banks it off the back of it and just rolls around the rim and comes right back out of it. Like, <laughs> 
come on now. Like, it's you guys are NCAA teams in the championship, and you can't even make a, a block shot. It looked like rec ball. I know. And the other thing, too, um, was like you were saying, their three-point shooting was kind of disgraceful. And Yeah, both teams. I mean, it was, For a while, I noticed it was like five feet from the three-point line. They're throwing up threes. Oh, just jacking up. Yeah, yeah. like Jimmer Fredette shots from yeah. like 30 feet out. And it's like, what are you doing? Okay, and that's the thing. I mean, you notice with any smart team, if you're not shooting the ball well, you figure out other ways to get easy baskets, whether it's getting to the free throw line, being aggressive, like you said, developing some post plays. And when you don't do that and you just rely on your jump shots, is it really going to change? You know, you need to get some of those easy baskets to get that mental, to get that mentality of, yes, you know what, I can make the shot. You know, you do some of the other little things right, and that maybe gets your jump shooting a little bit better. Uh, this, again, I'm not going to say anything more. It was an absolutely horrible game, uh, disappointment. Uh, the rest of the tournament was great. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed that. But, um, you know, we were talking about this, and I was looking at the TV ratings for this championship game because thinking they had to be low, right? They had to be pathetically low. I mean, this was just <laughs> people had to turn this game off at halftime, 22-19. Mm-hmm. to 19. I mean, who's really tuning in? Well, guess what? It had really good ratings. Um, the ratings weren't fantastic, but they were pretty good. Um, 13.3% of the households uh, in the United States were tuned into this game. And uh, I know that might not sound like a lot to you people, but last year's game, which it was higher, 16.8% between Duke and Butler. But this game actually topped 2006, 2008, and 2009 championship games for TV ratings. Hmm. Um, surprisingly enough, and you know, in the article is a good question, why? Why are we tuning into this crap? You know, and in the article states, shouldn't we all have something better to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I know it's a Monday night. There weren't a lot of other, you know, it's not a big sports night, a Monday night usually. But I mean, really, it just, I mean, everyone, no matter who's playing, no matter what's going on in the game, people will watch a Super Bowl. People will watch a championship game like this if it's a blowout regardless, just because it's that big game and the hoopla behind it. But I'm ashamed to have finished this whole game. It's it was a, it was a grind. It was a real grind. Eh, but I don't know. People might have tuned in just because it was that bad. Well, like <laughs> it was just like, oh, let's watch this game. Like maybe. I mean, like I told you, when I was watching with my friends. Like I was praying they shoot Butler shoot under ten percent somehow. See something that you've never seen before. Nine point nine percent shooting. See? Something new. Yeah, very new. That's what they needed. They just needed some teams that couldn't shoot I guess <laughs> or just couldn't play basketball right. but I mean again uh, awful game but college basketball is done I uh, got a long time to wait for that uh, you know hopefully uh, next year Michigan State can get it together have a good deep run but that's all for college basketball right now because we have a lot of other uh, more important stuff to get to I don't want to stick to this horrible basketball game for more than 10 minutes <laughs> okay but uh, we are going to move on and there was a little article that came out of the Detroit News today and it's a, it's a nice article it's about Arthur Ray who's uh, one of the offensive linemen from Michigan State and uh, he's actually going to be uh, joining uh, the team this year which is uh, very good to see um, he's actually had a long battle with cancer um, he's had a cancer in his uh, his leg, and they've actually removed the cancer out of there, and he's cancer-free, they say. Um, this guy, uh, you know, Arthur Ray, is actually part of the first recruiting class of Mark D'Antonio's, uh, so it's very exciting to see him back uh, playing. Um, always great to see a recovery like that with something as serious as cancer, obviously. Um, and that's all really, we're really going to talk about that. Just, I mean, congratulations to Arthur Ray for getting back onto the field for his senior year and, you know, being able to play some football and obviously be healthy now. So, uh, you know, good for you, Arthur Ray. Uh, you know, nice to see you bounce back from that. That's fantastic. 
And today, actually, they announced the schedules for uh, Michigan State and, and U of M, the whole Big Ten, uh, for the 2013 to 2014 season. So if anyone wants to check that out, that article is actually up on DetroitNews.com. Uh, they, have a, they have it all laid out for uh, who we will be playing, who we won't be playing. Uh, it's interesting, actually. Uh, Michigan, they're not going to be playing Wisconsin from 2011 to 2014. Really? Yes. It's a long time. That's a long time. And we won't be playing Penn State from 2011 to 2014. Hmm. It's going to be a little weird. I mean, this is because we got the new divisions. You know, Nebraska in there now. Yep, got Nebraska in there, which is going to ch- you know shake things up. But you know, it should be very interesting. Uh, they do have some fantastic uh, non-conference games scheduled for uh, not next year, but you know f- the following year. In 2012, we're going to open up the season with Boise State at home, uh, August 31st, and that should be an awesome, awesome game. You know, finally play some tough non-conference opponents, get a little bit more credibility uh, to the Big Ten, especially Michigan State. It's something that they always. You always see with Michigan State when it comes later into the season is the fact that who have they played in their non-conference schedule? Idaho State, you know, Youngstown. Yeah, I mean, Western. We had, we had Central that one time, and we lost. That turned out well. And I, I heard that for months from my friends <laughs> that went to Central. I know they're like, oh, we beat you guys. It's like, like, oh, okay, right, so that's cool. gonna be like your only win this season, or? <laughs> I mean, they were a decent team though that year. No, they were. They had Lefevre, and ever since mm-hmm. Lefevre left, they've been crap. But, uh, yeah, no, we do have some good non-conference games uh, coming up. We'll play South Florida in 2013, and we'll also play uh, West Virginia in 2014. So that's pretty cool to see for Michigan State, getting some uh, credible non-conference opponents uh, in there to, you know, give us, maybe, you know, when we have that good season again, maybe the votes, uh, you know, come our way. But uh, that's it for Michigan State. You know, it's not really, I mean, they're having spring practice right now. They've been doing that, and that's about all that's going on there. When's their spring game? I think it's in like two weeks. It's oh. usually in like the third week of April. All right. I, I, have you ever been to a spring game? I haven't. Neither have I. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to try it out this year. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't seem too exciting to me. I, I might. I don't know. What, it's like black versus red. <laughs> okay. Green versus white. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which but, color is better? Yeah, really. It's like, are they really playing hard? No. No, nah, they're not. No. Uh, let's get to the Detroit Tigers, though, and this is something we definitely want to talk about. Uh, the Detroit Tigers uh, lost today to the Texas Rangers in a game that was a real pitching battle. Uh, Verlander against his Ogandu, and uh, it was a good game. Uh, unfortunately, the Tigers' bats, again, just were not there. They were just they were sleeping at the plate, and you do have to give a lot of credit to Ogandu on the Rangers' side there. Uh, he pitched a fantastic game. Um, a lot of the Tigers players saying that they just could not uh, keep up with him. Again, Verlander Verlander pitched a great game. The guy went about eight innings, only gave up two earned runs. Uh, he gave up those two earned runs in the seventh uh, when he got into a little bit of trouble there. But again, it's really the bats. The Tigers had four hits in a game where he, this is not on the pitcher. Three, you know, three runs is a quality start. Three runs, seven innings for a pitcher. Verlander pitched a great game. You need to have your players be able to step up behind you and at least put some runs on the board. Uh, Cabrera, again, he had a single. He had a double today. Cabrera and Cabrera really seems to be one of the only guys doing something for this team. Austin Jackson has been woefully struggling. Um, as you know, you you mentioned earlier, uh, he DH today. He only took one yeah. bat. He really um, Leland's basically been saying that he wants him to just work on his swing because he's been struggling so 
much with it. Uh, Mags, Mags again has not been doing much right now out there. So he hasn't even really been playing. Yeah, I mean he has, he's got you know soreness in his uh, you know Achilles tendon. They've been yeah. saying so. You know he's going to rest the next game or two. You know kind of played by ear with that. So I mean you've seen the games this weekend. You know we played Kansas City. Uh, you know Phil Coke had a pretty good start. We lost three to one there. Uh, you know, what do you think of the Tigers right now? I mean, what's the panic meter at? You know, I mean, is there what do we need to worry about? And at what point, you know, we're four and a half games back right now of Cleveland, who Cleveland's had an amazing start. They've won seven in a row now. Uh, they're seven and two. When do you start worrying about the Tigers? There's 152 games left. But at what point is it like, OK, they really need to start getting it together here? I mean, this is a little startling. I've, I know I've talked to a few people and they're like, what's going on? Like, why can't they win? I mean, they're only 10 games and you said they're three and seven. Three and seven, yep. And um, I should know that. I don't know why I asked you. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, I've talked to people and they're like, yeah, what's going on with the Tigers? Why can't they hit? Why can't they do this? Like, no one's it's, – it's, it's a little iffy. I don't know when we should start worrying. Probably – the next series, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. Texas, Texas is a good opponent. Texas, is, I mean, they're hot. They are 9-1 and one right now. Texas yeah. is playing great. And they, they lost the Orioles, who, I don't know, how did the series go with them? Did we win, win only the, one with yeah, them? Yeah, we won one against the Orioles. We won one against Kansas City. We won one <laughs> against New York. So, I mean, we've been doing this 1-2, one, 1-2 right. series. That's not going to, you can't maintain no. that. And it's just, it's a completely different team than what started last year, I feel like. Um, because last year, we were all like, the beginning of the season, we're like, oh my gosh, this team is so good. Like, they're just stocked. They're ready to go. Yeah. A lot of good pickups, right? You know, thinking Victor Martinez, yeah. Benoit, like, yeah. most of the guys are out healthy. You know, yeah. Mags, figure he's healthy. I don't know. It's. I think the big thing is, though, um, is definitely the hitting because we're not doing much on offense. We're fine on defense. They're just, they're getting a hold of the ball. A lot of the teams are hitting it all the way to the wall. Mm-hmm. And we're just at, like, there's nothing you can really do about that. Um, I mean, I mean other, yeah, teams are going to score runs on you. I mean, that's a, that's a given at times. Yeah, but when but you can't match, exactly. you should be able to score at least three to four runs a game. Exactly. And we're just having a hard time. I, I'm kind of seeing it. Um, some trends I saw in the past couple of years is we strand um, batters a lot, strand runners. Uh-huh. Um, uh, like we'll get like two people on and that'll be like the inning. That's like <laughs> they, they don't go anywhere. And they said um, earlier I was listening and they said they had, They'd only had someone in scoring position twice during the game today. Yep. It's we can't get on base, and we're just having a hard time batting, and I think that's one thing they really need to focus on is the hitting because, you know, Brandon Inge, he's a good hitter, and he's not doing Like, he was, what, I think 0 for, 0 for 3 or something like that? Yeah, basically everyone was yeah. 0 for something today yeah. pretty much. Exactly, and I I mean, the only person that I've seen really do well is, or no, people, I'm sorry, is Johnny Peralta. Peralta's been doing well. Bosch has been hitting well as well. Bosch, you know, Bosch is doing it, I'm nothing to what he was last year. I think that was just his big rookie year. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, Peralta, Avila. Avila, Avila, no, nice. Thank you for mentioning Avila. Avila's really been playing well. And Cabrera, I think, are two, are three hitters. And even Rayburn has had a couple times where he's, like, shined. And, you know, it's just they all need to be pretty consistent. You don't have to get a home run every time. You don't have to get a double or triple every time. Just get on base. Yeah. That's all that matters. And that's, I think, I don't know what they're thinking right now. I wish I did. But when should we start worrying, to go back to your question? Um... Because we have uh, we have two more games here yeah. with the Rangers, and then after that we're gonna go we're gonna go to Oakland for a four game series. Okay. So that's really what the next uh, six games look like for Detroit, and uh, you know Oakland, a team that's you know they're pl- they're four and five right now. They're not playing too bad. Uh, Rangers again hot uh, nine and one right now, best record in the majors uh, right now. So hopefully, I mean, we can at least get a game or two out of them because the way the Rangers are playing. 
Uh, it's gonna be tough. I mean, again, it's very early. It's nothing, you know. You're not gonna. It's not time to freak out, no. but at the same time, three it, and seven. <sighs> it's like we got past opening day when the, all the pressure was on them. Like this is our debut in Detroit. Uh-huh. They won five to two. Yep. And I mean, it was a good opening day game. Yeah, and then after they scored that, some runs early. Right, and then after that, it's Royals, Rangers. We lost one to three, lost five to nine, lost zero to two, zero and two. Like, I don't know. I want them to. I want them to beat the Rangers at least once. I want. I want them to win one of the next couple games they have against them. Well, definitely. I think. They, I think that'd be a big ego boost. Like, not even just an ego boost, but that'd be good for them. They need to beat a team that's worthy of beating. You know. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying the Orioles or the Yankees weren't or the or Kansas City, but I think I think it would be good for them. Maybe it'll jumpstart their their season. I hope so. <laughs> they know and they do need some confidence. I mean, it's a good point, especially at the start of the year. You know, you're not hitting well. It's you know you're trying to figure out what to do right. And when you keep struggling like this, you know, it's, you know mentally it wears on you. Mm-hmm. And they just consistently with losses, especially with the pitchers. I mean, you see these guys. Phil Coke, like we said, he had a fantastic outing the other day. But you lose three to one. Verlander, great game uh, today. He pitched great. I mean, this mm-hmm. game it was two thirty. The game was already in the seventh. The game started at one. Yep. I mean, both pitchers going back and forth. One, you know, you know, three up, three down. And it's just it's time for the Tigers to find their bats and give their pitchers some run support. They really need it. Yep. And it seems like any time that the Tigers have great pitching, their bats are lacking. Any time that the Tigers are having some, you know, kind of struggling pitching, you know, their bats are doing a little bit better. But again, when the pitching's struggling, it's not like nine to five. Rick Porcello again, a bad start. You know, in his second game, you know, you know, five runs in like five innings. Uh, you can't be doing that. And they need to stop overthrowing first base. <laughs> That's driving me insane. Like Cabrera's doing everything he can to keep his foot on the bag and get the ball. And somehow, I mean, Inch had an off-balance throw today, and I mean, that's going to happen. But he also yeah. overthrew it, and luckily he didn't get any extra bases. But I think I ended up scoring anyway. Um, but yeah, that's. and then they overthrew it a couple games ago, um, twice in the same game. And errors. Oh. Was it yesterday? They had like four or five errors. Yesterday, yeah, they had. I think I remember. Two, I didn't see. I didn't finish the game, so I don't know what the final stat line ended at. But I know I saw two or three. Yeah. Just oh my bad gosh, errors. That, that's gonna kill you. It's gonna kill you. Yeah, oh, yeah. that was the, that was a nine to five loss. Okay. Yeah, that was yesterday. Ugh. I say they kept coming back, and then all of a sudden they'd get further away, and then they'd come back again, and then get further away. Yeah, I mean like, it was Ugh. it was a game where I mean it was what it was like seven to two, and then Cabrera hits that two run shot, yeah. seven to four. But they were just giving up runs way too easily, way too easily out there. I mean Kansas City was having their way with us, and again Kansas City's playing well. They're six and three right now. I'm um, looking at the Central Division. Cleveland's at seven and two at the top. And you have Kansas City at six and three. Chicago uh, is at six and three as well. Minnesota struggling uh, just like us. They're three and six right now so you know a lot of other teams are struggling around the around the league that you wouldn't expect to be struggling you look at boston at two and seven you know no everyone was picking boston as the favorite um in the american league they're two and seven i mean the tampa bay rays at one and eight at least we're not one and eight i mean that's just horrible uh, you know they're really struggling as well, but we have played some hot teams. Kansas City, like I said, six and three. Baltimore, they're six and three. Yankees, five and four. Uh, you know we'll see how this team does when they travel out to the West Coast to face Oakland, and that series is going to be starting off on uh, Thursday. So you know hopefully this team can get it together again. It's not really panic time in my opinion, no. but I need to see. I haven't seen a really good game out of the Tigers yet. 
I know they've won a few games, but I haven't seen just a hands down, a well pitched, just a well batted, you know, like you said, no error kind of game where they just had all kind of clicked, it all worked out. I need to see that out of these guys. I um, mean, we definitely need to see Rick Porcello get it together. No, I agree. Porcello has really been struggling, and Porcello really is my question mark right now. If you're talking to these starting, these uh, you know starting five for our rotation, it worries me. Brad Penny worries me as well. Yep. Phil Coke, like you said, I don't know. Pitched bad one game, pitched great the next. I, th- there's something about we, Phil Coke I don't like. I don't yeah, know you just don't like Phil Coke. It's not that, that I like. I hate him. I mean, he's on our team, and yeah, he's you can't hate start, him. And I can't hate our starting pitcher. No. Um, but I, he's just way too inconsistent for me. Like you said, he was a was he a relief pitcher one time for yeah. like an inning, and it was horrible. Well, yeah, he came in and this I I think it was the first game of the season against New York, and he came in in the seventh, and his first pitch, Granderson hit a home run. Right, and then he then he pitches a good game, and it's just we need consistency, whether it be on offense or defense. Yeah, and I can't grade I can't grade Phil Coke yet, and I'm not even going to really grade Rick Porcello completely because. You know, you've had, they've had like two starts. Mm-hmm. Everyone's had two starts. So, I mean, you, you wait to see. We'll know more. Give it two weeks. Give it three weeks. And we'll really start to see, you know, who's really getting it together. Who's yeah. who's having that more consistent, you know, game in, you know, every start that they have. And then we'll really kind of know who we need to worry about when they're going to be starting on the mound. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, this team, you know, uh, Joel Zumaya, they've said he's still, he's had, he has some pain, you know, during rehab. He's not going to be back. He's like, got to get better. It's like the Matt Stafford of the baseball. This guy's always hurt. Like, <laughs> oh, he hasn't been good since 06. He hasn't been healthy since 06. Yeah. He's got to stop throwing 300 miles an hour and blowing his arm out. It's like, and they always make, and they always talk, oh, 102. Like, no, throw like 97 so your arm doesn't fall off. <laughs> I think he's still, he thinks he's that young pitcher that can get away with like anything. I mean, even if I. Anybody who could throw 100, 200, 3 mile an hour fastball, though, and you're going to throw out your arm <laughs> every once in a while. Just, just something, something weird. It's not whether it's, yeah, his elbow or something's wrong always. And then, you know, it's frustrating because that earlier, in, you know, before the season starts, Zumaya, 100%, ready to go. Well, no, he's not. And, yeah. you know, we'll see when he gets back because. I hope it's soon. I feel like, but the only, I don't hope it's too soon where he's not going to pitch well. No, definitely. But I hope it's soon enough that, because I think, I think we need him. If he's going to pitch how he was, I think we need him. Yeah. If, no, we definitely need him. I mean, when he plays well, when he pitches well, I mean, he's fantastic yeah. when he's healthy. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see with this team. Um, again, Maglio Ordonez, he will not play on Tuesday, and he probably won't play Wednesday, uh, the team is saying today, uh, because of tightness in his right Achilles tendon. So they're really going to make sure that this guy is ready to go before they really put him, you know, play him every day out there in the field. So hopefully Mags can really get healthy because as a number three hitter, you need Maglio Ordonez to really, you know, give Cabrera someone to knock in. Mm-hmm. Um, need to give him a good shake. And same with Austin Jackson. Jackson has well been struggling. You know, Cabrera, you know, four home runs. He's got like, you know, eight RBIs, eight to 12 RBIs. And that's fantastic. But when it's solo shots and no one's really getting on base exactly. much, it's it's not doing a lot for the team. It's single runs here and there. We need to get our guys on base to let Cabrera knock them in. 
So, I mean, hopefully the Tigers can get this turned around. They're playing at 105 tomorrow um, against Texas. Uh, there will there will also be a 105 game on Wednesday against Texas. And then, like I said, they are traveling out to Oakland, California to play the Oakland A's starting off on Thursday. So, we'll see what the Tigers got to do. I mean, Alex Avila, he said it best in this article. I mean, we've been talking about it. He says, quote, we just haven't been consistent. End quote. It's simple as that. They just haven't been consistent. In all facets of the game, they really haven't figured it out how to put together nine innings of solid baseball. And because, you know, these are some good teams that we've played, like you said, and you need to be able to beat the good teams. This team, I mean, in our division, which is surprisingly looking stronger than I thought, I know we were talking about Minnesota, Chicago. Look at Cleveland and Kansas City on top of this division. Who would have seen that coming? I don't see it lasting, but I mean, it is going on right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about the Red Wings and uh, playoffs starting on Wednesday with them. Get into the Pistons, talk a little Masters, and that'll be the show. So you're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. variety than you'll hear on any other station. Listen to the Impact Primetime Prime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw. Check out these pics of this huge tree falling. You probably wouldn't text while scuba diving. And you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. Aw, come back, Cuddle Bunny. You need help. 88.9 The Impact. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Uh, before the break, like I said, we're going to get into the Detroit Red Wings. We, you know, when we talk about consistency, that is the Detroit Red Wings are that. They are consistent. This will be the 20th consecutive season that they are playing in the playoffs which is absolutely amazing. This is the longest streak in Major League Sports. The Red Wings have it right now. Uh, you know, this is a current streak. There have been teams in the past, like the Bruins, that had 27 consecutive appearances in the NHL playoffs. But the Red Wings will be facing off against the Phoenix Coyotes. This will start Wednesday night, 7 p.m. at Joe Louis Arena. Now, for all of you remember, last year, we faced the Phoenix Coyotes last year in the first round. Uh, difference being is we were on the road to start off that series because we were the five 
five seed last year. The Wings now, they are the three seed. They will play in the six seed again in the Phoenix Coyotes, which should be, in my opinion, a very good series. This was a great series last year. It went seven games. A very exciting series. You have Shane Doan, who is uh, the leading scorer for the Phoenix Coyotes this year with 20 goals. Um, you know, we do have like three guys that have 20 goals or more, but Phoenix is a very well-rounded team. They have uh, 10 guys. They have 11 players, actually, with 10 goals or more. So uh, a very balanced team, a very good defensive team in Phoenix. Uh, they don't make a lot of defensive mistakes. Um, Brzgalov, who is the goalie for the Phoenix Coyotes, um, is a very good goalie. If we all remember last year, Brzgalov did give us a lot of trouble. Uh, Brzgalov has had a very good season this year. He's 36, 10, and 10 in uh, 68 appearances. He has a 2.48 goals against average and a 92% save percentage. So Brzgalov has been really good all year. Uh, Jimmy Howard, who is uh, 37, 17, and 5 on the season with a 2.79 uh, goals against average and a 91 save percentage. So a very close uh, battle there in the nets with these goalies. Um, this should be a fantastic series. I think Detroit uh, lucked out in the sense that uh, I'd rather play Phoenix than play Nashville. Um, I just, for some reason, I think that Nashville, they've been to the playoffs six times. They've never won that first round playoff series. And Nashville just, I don't know, gut feeling kind of scared me. That you know this might they you know they could pull the upset off, but you know Phoenix is the team we've played. It's a team we know. Uh, we're uh, two one and one uh, against Phoenix uh, this year in the regular season, so it should be a, a very good series to watch. Uh, basically, we split. Uh, you know, we lost on the road and they lost on the road when we played them this year. So Megan, looking at the Detroit, I know you haven't watched a ton of hockey this mm-hmm. year, but it's Red Wing playoff time. All right, this is Hockey Town. What do you think? I mean, uh, you think the Wings are going to? You know, sweep them? Are they going to win in six? What do you see them doing here? I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I had, I'm not going to sit here and talk out my butt. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I want them to, you know, do well. And I, have they played them yet this year? Yep. They, they uh, yeah, they're 2-1-1 one one against the Coyotes this year. A 2-1-1? One one. Yep. Well, that's, that's a good start. Um, I mean, it is playoff time, though, so it is a little bit later in the season. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to sit here and I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch. Yeah, I mean, they start, what, Wednesday? Yep, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Okay. And uh, the next game will be on Saturday at 1 p.m. Again, both of these games at Joe Louis Arena. And then we'll travel to Phoenix for games three and four. Well, do work. That's do work. I'm at right now. Just do work, Detroit. I mean, you're the one team we actually have to look forward to right now. Seeing as Pistons can't do anything. And, <laughs> and the Lions just aren't playing, and they're still upsetting. I know, and the Tigers are 3-7. and seven, Yeah. So. But you know, playoff hockey time is always really exciting. I love it. Um, and I watch a lot of hockey, actually, in the regular season. I mean, how can you not with these Red Wings? They're just a, a fantastic team out there. Uh, the one thing that scares me with Detroit is really their home record. They, they've struggled at the Joe this year. I don't know what it is. This team always plays a lot better on the road. Uh, the Red Wings are 26-11-4 on the road this season uh, compared to 21-14-6 at Joe Louis Arena. But... The real nice thing here, because the Wings did play on Sunday to end the season against the Chicago Blackhawks, which was a good win, 4-3 to against the Blackhawks. So they don't have to travel 
they're not going to have to sleep in a hotel. You know, they're going to be able to sleep in their own beds, which, you know, really is a big deal. Um, you know, Dan Cleary, uh, he was quoted as saying, quote, it's the little things that sometimes matter. It's going to be good to come home and rest some and get some rest. Starting at home is important. Some people would probably like us to start out on the road considering our record. But home ice is still an advantage, end quote. And that's true. I know they have struggled at home at times. But at the same time, this is the playoffs. It's basically like a new season, in my opinion. You completely forget about the regular season, and the brand new season is kicking off on Wednesday night. Uh, it should be a great series again. I'm really looking forward to it. It was a fantastic series last year, again, going seven games. So, I mean, we have a lot to look at. Again, Phoenix is a very well-rounded team. Uh, you know, 11 players that have 10 goals or more. It's very good. You know, the Wings... You know, the Wings had 13 players, actually, with 10 goals or more. So it's it's going to be a good series. Uh, Nick Lindstrom, you know, quoted as saying, quote, they have a lot of depth. They can roll four lines that can play, and they have a, and they play a good system, and they don't open up themselves defensively, end quote. And that's exactly what I was thinking as well. Uh, a very good defensive team. Brzezgalov, who's a real good goalie, should be uh, something to watch. Now, looking at actually the uh, other series uh, going on in the NHL, like I said, the playoffs kick off on Wednesday and Thursday. Those are going to be your uh, opening uh, night games for the playoffs. Uh, looking in the Western Conference, the Vancouver Canucks are going to be playing the Chicago Blackhawks, who barely, just barely squeaked into the playoffs. And I mean barely. Uh, with the Wings beating them on Sunday, if, that, if the Dallas Stars had actually beaten the Minnesota Wild, Chicago would have missed the playoffs, and you know they won the Stanley Cup last year, so that would have been really interesting to see a team win the Cup and then not even get into the playoffs. And it's not the toughest thing in the world in hockey or even like in the NBA to you know at least get an eight seed, a seven seed, something along those lines. But yeah, you're gonna have Vancouver as the one seed against the eight seed of Chicago. Uh, San Jose is the two seed, going to be playing the Los Angeles Kings. Again, the Red Wings are gonna be playing the Coyotes, and then for your four and five matchup, you're gonna have the Anaheim Mighty Ducks versus. Nashville Predators. That is going to be your Western Conference. Uh, three of those games will take place on Wednesday in the Western Con Conference. Uh, San Jose and Los Angeles Kings. That will be your Thursday night game. Um, looking in, at the Eastern Conference, which obviously is not going to matter as much to us unless we make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, but you're going to have the Washington Cap Capitals versus the New York Rangers as your 1-8 and eight seeds. The Philadelphia Flyers will be taking on the Buffalo Sabres for your 2-7. and seven. Boston Bruins versus the Montreal Canadiens for your 3-6. and six. And what I think is really one of the best matchups out here, Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Tampa Bay Lightning for your 4-5. and five. That should be a really, uh, really good uh, matchup there. Very excited to see that. So, you know, Megan, looking at, you know, these teams playing, I know you're not follow, you don't follow hockey as much, but, I mean, if you had to just pick a Stanley Cup final matchup, you know, had to, you know, you got your one seeds, your two seeds, you know, you, just from what you know, I mean, it's shot in the dark. I mean, it could be anybody. I mean, who knows? You really want me to do I this? really do. Why? Because that would be completely wrong. It doesn't. Hey, who knows? You could be completely right. <laughs> could be like the NCAA tournament. Exactly, right? <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know anything. I got all my Final Four picks wrong. <laughs> At least got one and I won. Yeah, I didn't get anything. So, I mean, I don't know how to pick anything. Um. Oh, my gosh. Keep talking. All right. Think about it. Oh, you, you, you sit over there and stew on it right now. <laughs> But um, no, really looking at the Red Wings and looking at you know how their season has played out, the biggest thing they need to work on again comes down to consistency 
during, you know, in these series, okay, you've seen the Red Wings, you know, fall off sometimes during the second half of this season with just, you know, after they've had a bad loss or another loss, it kind of just tends to, you know, continue to go on. Uh, they need, you can't get into a slump when it comes to playoff time. There's no room for error. There's no time, oh, we have two weeks left. No, it's a seven-game series. Every game is of the utmost importance, and you can't get into that. You get down two games in a series, you know, that is scary time. That is going to, you know, it's going to really, it's going to be dangerous. Phoenix is not a bad team. I know they are a six seed, but with the, if you anyone has seen how the points ended up finally laying out, I mean, you had three teams tied with 99 points for four, five, and six. So all these teams are quite equal. I mean, the Wings only had 104 points by the end of it. You know, it's a very, very close. There's a lot of parity when it comes to the NHL. The NHL is not really a league like the NBA where you will never really see an eight seed ever beat a one seed or even a seven seed upset a two seed. And the NHL, that is much more common. And it happens a lot because these teams are a lot, they're a lot closer in just the skill level of the teams. So it's going to be an interesting NHL playoffs. I mean, if you look at it last season, you have a seven seed and I believe a six seed playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. That will never happen in the NBA. It will never happen no matter what. Okay, so it's going to be really good to see if the Wings can just, they can step it up at home and take these first two games. It's very important. It's very important they get off to a good start. We've seen how this team has started to fade at times, especially later in the second half in this season. Something about Joe Louis Arena, I don't know what it is. They seem to have had some trouble. I don't know why. But uh, back to you. Oh, geez. Okay, you want me to keep talking for a second? You can think about it for like another minute or two. How about, how about I will do my research this weekend and I will have something for you on Monday? Sounds good. After their first couple of games. Okay, because okay. I, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I was just going to take a shot in the dark yeah, too. Yeah, I figured. What's your shot in the dark? My shot in the dark? Yeah. If I had to have a shot in the dark, um, I personally, uh, I'm going to take Philly out of the East and looking at the West, you know, obviously I want to take the Wings. Mm-hmm. To be honest though, I'll probably take Vancouver. I think Vancouver. You know, if, if they play anything like they have in the entire regular season in the playoffs, this was the best team in the NHL, hands down. Uh, you know, right now, I mean, they just Vancouver and these Sedin brothers, they are amazing. Uh, great, great uh, hockey team out there. I'm going to have to probably go with Vancouver. I'm going to do some more research myself. Because when it comes to the Eastern Conference and hockey, I just don't pay any attention to it. It really has no bearing. I just I don't pay attention to it at all. So I really need to do a little bit more research on the East. I'm going to stick with Vancouver, though, in the West. Hopefully Detroit um, you know, can get it going here. Uh, I want another Stanley Cup appearance here. Oh, definitely. I just want a deep run. Uh, you know, even if you know if they don't win a cup, yeah, it's disappointing. But I always like a nice long playoff run. Uh, that's always to me very exciting. Everyone loves the beard. Yeah, exactly. It's gross. You walk around and like all my friends all have beards. Uh huh. Like guys, come on now. It's like it's you know mid June. It's been going on for a month and a half. They're like ah, but dang beard. Oh, yeah. But again, should be a fantastic uh, NHL playoffs here coming up. Uh, Henrik Zetterberg uh, will not actually, he will not be ready to play for game one. Uh, Unfortunately, he's still recovering from his injury. Hopefully, he will be fine uh, for game two. And that game is on Saturday, so he's going to have a lot more time to really, you know, relax and get ready to play. So, you know, we really need Zetterberg. Uh, Zetterberg, I mean, Zetterberg is obviously, I mean, that's an understatement to call him a fantastic player. I mean, he's great. So I think, 
I think the Wings will be fine. I think they'll be fine for the playoffs. What really struggling was really hurting them last season was uh, definitely, you know, we had uh, Franz and a lot of guys out. Uh, this team's healthy at the right time. I know Zeddy's hurt, but uh, Zeddy will be back. But we have a caller. Wow, we have a caller. It's been like two two week drought on this show. Hey, Joe, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. How's it going? Hey, how's it going, Dave? Not bad. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Just called to uh, talk some Redwings with you. Good stuff. Um, yeah, I know you were just talking about Zetterberg and everything, and uh, I think the biggest thing for the Wings this year in the playoffs is going to be their team chemistry. They had a lot of injuries later in the season. I know Datsuk was out for a while because Zetterberg's out right now. There's been a plethora of injuries. Rafalski was hurt for a while, and uh, yep. I think team chemistry is just going to be the biggest thing starting the playoffs since the first and the second round. If they can build some momentum and win some games, I think they'll do well. They might even make it. They might even win the cup if they can get that team chemistry going through all these injuries. No, I think that's a really good point, Joe. I do think that you know, especially with Babcock when he designing when designing the lines, it's nice to have that consistency of guys being healthy and knowing what guys are playing better with certain guys at the time. So hopefully they can keep that up. But in your opinion, Joe, I mean. With this series against Phoenix, how do you see this series playing out? You know, again, are they, we going to sweep them five games, six games? Are we going to lose? Uh, what's your uh, pick? Uh, I see it. Be, I see it going at least six games. It's going to be pretty defensive. They're both defensive teams, and like I said before, with team chemistry, it's going to take some time to create some offense between the two teams. Pascal's uh, a really good goalie, and if defense is going to be the main priority of both teams, which I think it will, I think it's going to go at least six games, but the Wings will pull it out. Okay, good stuff, Joe. I really appreciate the call. Thanks. Yep. All right, bye. Always. I haven't used that thing in so long. I'm like, how do I drop a call? <laughs> like, I don't know how. But, um, yeah, so the Wings, uh, they will be kicking off Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Cronwall and Patrick Eves will be back uh, for Game 1. Patrick Eves has had the flu, and Cronwall has had a left shoulder issue, but they will be ready to go on Wednesday. So, you know, Wednesday and Saturday, those are your first two games of the NHL playoffs. So definitely get all uh, geared up for that, guys, because it's going to be exciting. Uh, let's move on, though, from the Red Wings. We'll have a lot more to talk about on next Monday's show regarding that. But let's talk about the Pistons. Mm. Okay? And something that we can finally get done with. We finally can stop talking about it. When will it happen? Uh, the Pistons are sold. The Pistons are finally sold. Hey! I feel like I should be throwing <sighs> confetti right now. Yeah. Sigh of relief. Um, Jeez. We've been waiting months and I think months and months and months. We've been talking about this since we started this show back in August, and it's finally done. Done. Tom Gores has bought this team, uh, which is fantastic. They finally have a you know definitive agreement. Um, he's getting you know the palace. He's getting uh, DTE, and he's also getting Meadowbrook uh, Music Festival, uh, music whatever it's called, music place. Music place. Music place. I know that's someone. But Meadowbrook. <laughs> so he's getting those venues, and. Uh, just, you know, Megan, I mean, do you think, uh, where do you see that, I mean, do you think you're going to see a lot of action here in the offseason, you know? I mean, this guy's worth $2.4 billion. He's got that kind of California zest about him. I mean, he's from Flint. He's a Michigan native, but he's been living out in Beverly Hills for a long time. It's where he's made his billions. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think Tom Gores is, uh, I mean, I know we don't know a ton about this guy, but right. we know a decent amount. Do you think this is, uh, you know, it's a good fit and that it's finally done? Yeah, I mean, he obviously knows what it takes to make to be successful. Yes. Obviously knows what it takes. Um, he's from Michigan, Michigan native. Um, 
he knows what's going on down here. He knows what's going on around here, even though he's been in California. Um, I like, like you said, we don't know a lot about him. Um, but I think it'll be good. It's good not only because of where he's from and what he's done, but also because the team is finally sold and some <sighs> things can be done. And, you know, like you were saying, um, hands were tied. Nobody could do anything. No one knew what to do with Rip. No one knows if Tayshawn's coming back. No one knows, like, this and this. No one likes, like, the whole team hates the coats pretty much. Like, all this going on, I think we're going to see a lot of action from the Pistons in the offseason just because it is a new coach. He, or coach, sorry, a new um, owner. He has he has his way of doing things, and I think he's going to he's gonna turn it into his way of doing it, and hopefully it's the right way of doing it. Yes. And that's what I see coming. No, and I'm I'm very excited to see uh, Tom Gorey's uh, get this team. I'm actually I I really do believe this is a better fit even than Illich. I think that Illich owning the team. Mm-hmm. I think that's I don't think I don't I mean you know I know we talked about it earlier. I thought oh that's kind of cool, but owning three teams, and you know are you gonna have enough money to really provide for all three? You almost feel right. like if he bought the Pistons that you would find a you know a lapse with one of these teams that he wouldn't be able to give as much to the Red Wings or to the Tigers or something. Tom Gores has the money, and I think you brought up the best point. He is a fantastic businessman. Yeah. This is his job, okay? He's a business guy. He that's how he's you know, he's he's self-made. This guy didn't inherit any money. This guy didn't just, you know, get lucky. He's taken specific businesses that he has seen and made a killing off it. Mm-hmm. Struggling businesses made them better. Um, I think that this guy is really uh, I think and again, I think he's gonna bring a little bit of life into the Pistons, something that, you know, has been lacking. This is a guy, like I said, you know, like this the article I read, he's, he's got four buttons always unbuttoned on his shirt. He's from Beverly Hills. But yet, he knows where he came from. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing with Tom Gore is that people have been talking around him that he cares about community. And that's his job, is that he's going to come in here and build the Pistons up around the community and just, you know, really give them everything they need. You know, people are trying to compare him to like a Mark Cuban, where, you know, I mean, if you know Mark Cuban, he's very... Uh, you know, flies off the wall, very you know, boisterous, you know, loudmouth, throws a, you know, tons of money into the Dallas Mavericks. But I, I do think that Tom Gores, um, he, he's a little more flashy, but I think he's a little more reserved at the same time. And uh, I think it's a, it's a fantastic pickup. Uh, they do have to wait for the Board of Governors, uh, the NBA Board of Governors, not like the Board of Governors, no, the NBA's Board of Governors yeah. um, until June 30th. Which will be, you know, when we will know for sure the NBA has to approve Tom Gores buying this team. Um, I see no reason at all why this would fall through. Not, not for a second. Um, they have not announced any monetary amount for how much he actually has purchased um, the team for. If I had to guess, it'd probably be somewhere around four hundred million. Uh, 390 million. I know that when they were in negotiations, uh, when it was at 420 million, they could not get a deal done. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously less than that. This team was valued at 360 million dollars. Uh, this was when Forbes came out with their uh, new uh, rankings for uh, the teams in the NBA, and that was not more than a few months ago. But again, they're adding DTE and Meadowbrook to that, uh, two other venues, which he's gonna make a killing off that. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, just and even the pal. I mean, you can have concerts and just everything all the time. Like you said, struggling, struggling places. Like obviously, DTA is not struggling, but no. if you look at the Pistons, he's picking up something else along with them. Yep. And DTE has concerts all the time. I was actually at a concert in Auburn Hills at the Palace a couple weekends ago. Like they have concerts there constantly in Meadowbrook too. Oh yeah. They're just especially in the summer because DTE is outdoors. 
Yep. And I'm pretty sure Meadowbrook. Meadowbrook's is, is outdoors. Yep, that's outdoors as well. And he picked the right time to buy the team because that's when everything's going to come and he's going to make a, mo- a like a lot of money. Oh, definitely. And before, you know, I mean, this is we're just about done with this because we got to move on. But I want to read a quote from Ben Wallace, uh, you know, when talking about Tom Gore's owning the team. He says, quote, when you're going through new ownership, it affects Joe more than it affects us players in terms of going out and making decisions and signing other players or trading guys or whatever. I think that's going to help him out. His hands are sort of untied right now. So he can go out and make moves and try to get us back on track where we need to be, end quote. That's exactly what we've talked about this entire year, that Joe's hands have been tied with not having an odor, with the possibility of a lockout coming this summer, uh, all these questions up in the air. Um, and you know, again, I just want to see action this summer. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with John Kuster, what happens with Tayshawn Prince, what happens with Rodney Stuckey, Rip Hamilton. There's a lot of question marks in the year. Uh, I think Houston definitely has to go. I think, you know, it's two years, just you haven't got it done. And I don't think it's as much that he's a bad coach. I just think that he does not have any of the respect of his players. And when you, even if you're good at the X's and O's, if you don't have the respect, if you can't command that respect, then you are not going to get what you need out of these guys. You will never get these players to rise to their potential and play like that night in and night out when you're having insubordination issues with a handful of guys on this team all season. Um, I have no problem with John Kuster, you know, but at the same time, obviously it's not working with these guys. Find a coach. Throw some money at him. We could have hired Avery Johnson. Joe Dumars did not want to give him a four-year contract, paying him three to four million a year. You know, Joe loves hiring coaches and firing coaches. <laughs> it's, it's his little shtick. But uh, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Pistons have two games left. They did just beat the Charlotte Bobcats last night, one twelve to one hundred one. Uh, they're playing actually right now. Uh, the last home game at the Palace against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That game just tipped off at seven thirty. Their final game of the season will be April thirteenth at the Philadelphia 76ers. So it should be very exciting uh, just to see if the Pistons can maybe hit thirty wins. Who knows? They're well, at 29, so. 29 and 51 team has a chance to get the 31 wins. Yay. So we'll have six. No, we'll have, what would it be? Okay, it's only going to be like four more than last year. <laughs> but uh, hey, it, it, it's starting something, okay? Better than nothing. Yeah, they've won three in a row. It's amazing. It's the most games they've won in a row all season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we will definitely get into uh, more of the NBA and the other teams that are actually going to be in the playoffs uh, next week. We'll talk about that because NBA regular season will wind down this week and we'll get into all those matchups. The struggling Lakers and Celtics. You know, the Heat and Bulls are playing fantastic. Um, a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot to get worked out with these standings right now. A lot of these teams are within a game, game and a half of each other. So we really still have no idea how the matchups are really going to play out. But with eight minutes left, I want to get to Megan's favorite sport. Golf. Golf. I like golf. I just can't watch it. That's I know. You're I like, like, I love playing it. Yeah. It's it's what... Okay. Yeah, let, let me just ask you. What is... I mean, because I hear this from a lot of people. I mean, yeah. obviously. But what is it with golf on TV that just... You can't do it. Like, is it just too slow? Know. Yeah. You know, or is it the commentators? Is it, you know, the the players in the game, you don't know them? Because I think that's a lot of thing with sports is that you get to know who the guys are. And it's more, it's a story. And... I think it's just, yeah, it's too slow. It's too quiet. You sit there. It's long. The broadcasts are like three or four hours long. Oh, it's long, yeah. And, I mean, I, I, anybody could be sitting out there going, well, baseball is the same way. Like, baseball like That's what I was going to say. And I don't know what it is about baseball. I love baseball. I don't know what it is. But golf, I love playing. I'm not half bad at it. I'm not going to say I'm you good. probably beat me. I stink. I'm not half bad at it. But I just cannot 
sit there and watch it. And I don't know, maybe if it was when I was growing up, my grandpa always had it on when I when I go over, and I'd be like, "Why the heck are we watching this?" I'm like eight years old. I want to watch cartoons, grandpa. Of course. We're watching golf. This is boring. Mm. Like we'd go to Florida to go visit him, and he'd have golf on. I'm like, awesome. So I don't know if it's that. It's just I can't do it. I can't sit through it. I can watch maybe like one round, and I'm like, bye, uh-huh. and I'm done. So I don't know. No, I mean I know what you're saying with that. Like with me and golf, I can't watch just a regular uh, golf tournament if it's just something that's not major. Any of the major I can always get into whether it's the Masters or the you know the U.S. Open or the you know the PGA Championship. When it comes to any of the majors, I do get jazzed up, especially that Tiger Woods is back in the game oh, yeah. as of last year. I mean, you take Tiger out, I I don't give two craps. That's the other thing I was talking about with someone though yesterday is. That guy, okay, first off, he's going to be playing until he cannot swing a, a club anymore. Yeah, he is, Um, I believe, he's 35 right now. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's going to be like 70 years old. <laughs> he'll be on the senior tour. Yeah, he'll still be going. But that's the other thing is when Tiger retires or when Tiger, when Tiger quits, are people still going to watch it? Well, it depends. I mean, you never know. What other hot shot or sensation or some you know fantastic guy will come out of the woodwork in the next five, ten, twenty? Who knows? But I mean, he's been what pro for since he was seventeen or yeah, he's he... been a pro since I believe it was like ninety six. Okay, well, I want ninety six or ninety seven because he won his he won the Masters in ninety seven. So I mean, so. it's been what fourteen years? Yeah, roughly. So and he's been have, a pro yeah ever since he yeah, was like we eighteen. Really, we haven't really seen anyone come around since. Not then. really. I mean, you have I mean you have some young guys, but it's more of you know you need that American. There's a lot you know you need that American mm-hmm. that people can get behind because there's a lot of good golfers that I know that obviously are British or Australian or you know South African. We'll talk about this guy in a moment. Um, but you need that American. I mean, you have really Phil Mickelson. And Tiger Woods as your American guys. Yeah. But um, real fast, getting to the Masters, uh, what happened? Charles Schwartzel, uh, he's the South African, won, uh, won uh, the Masters, which was an amazing final round. This was a final round for the ages. Um, it's the second highest uh, final round for the Masters in 10 years. Um, the highest one was actually last year, and that's because Tiger, that was his comeback, you know, it was his first you know, comeback to it. But uh, yeah, it got fantastic ratings. People were, you know, glued to their. TVs. It was the kind of final round I'd never seen before. You had like five guys tied at 10 under. You know, one guy at 11 under. Um, it was you, know, you didn't know who was going to pull away with it. Tiger had an amazing front nine. He shot a 31 on the front nine. Uh, you know, birdies, eagles, puts himself right back, gets him tied for first, which was absolutely amazing. But when all was said and done, Charles was in charge. It was a, That's a hilarious... ESPN had that as their headline. Charles in charge. Because name's not Charles, it's Charles. 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 Uh, yes, he is South African. So he becomes, I believe, the third South African to have won the Masters. Uh, Gary Player was the first back in like 1964. Uh, but again, it was just a fantastic uh, you know, weekend of golf. Um, again, I always love these majors here. Tiger, he finished fourth. Charles uh, finished with uh, uh, six uh, straight birdies. To, uh, end the, to end the tournament, which was amazing. Um, he did a great job. Oh, I'm sorry, it was four straight birdies. Excuse me. Six straight would have been even a bit more. <laughs> that would have been crazy. But um, he shot a 66 for the final round, and that's the best final round with for a winner in 22 years. Again, Tiger finished fourth. He did all he could. Uh, he shot a 36 on the back nine, which just wasn't enough. But it does seem to say, it does seem that Tiger is kind of getting back to form again. He, he loves the Masters. He finished fourth there last year. Hopefully he can kind of put this same performance in some of the other majors. He needs to. 
He, he does. needs to come back after everything that's been going on with him. Oh yeah. He needs something. He needs something positive about him. Because everyone, I, I'm sure a lot of people still look at him in a negative light, which isn't the way they should look at him. He's, no. he's very talented. It's just what. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, again, I mean that does not affect me at all. Yeah. He, he cheated on his wife. That's his yeah. problem. I mean, I don't know. Probably because I'm a girl, I might think differently. Yeah. That's. I agree. Yeah. Women yeah. might think differently. You know that. You know. He did that, but I know, and I I understand. I completely understand as a sports professional, if you if you would like to call me that, which I'm not, but um, as like a sports person, I, he's very very talented, and he needs something to bring him back because I think this might this might have been it. It was close. I wish he would have had it. I mean, I, you almost kind of wish that he had that surge on the back nine rather than the front nine. Well, I think this is the time where people are going to finally start recognizing him rather than in the negative light and more of a positive light yeah. because he... He, I, he makes golf. Yeah. Whether you like him or hate him, if you are into golf in any sense, he is what makes this sport. Okay? But we are going to move on to the interesting facts. We only have like two minutes left, so I'd like to bang out some of these real fast. And it's just about food. Love food, and I'm starving right now, so might as well talk about food and make All me right. more hungry. All right, an American chews an average of 300 sticks of gum in a year. It's a lot of gum. I, I, I chew a lot of gum, I love too. Gum. Gum's great. <laughs> um, an apple, potato, and onion all taste the same if you eat them with your nose plug. They really? all taste sweet. Now, I'm, I don't know. If, I'm going to have to try this. Huh. I don't know if I want to bite into an onion. I was going to say, I was like... Because once I unplug my nose, then I'm going to... Obviously, it's not going to taste sweet. You're going to have a great taste in your mouth after that. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. An average American eats approximately 60 hot dogs per year. Yeah. I don't actually don't eat those very often. Yeah, it depends. I must be on the lower spectrum. <laughs> uh, let's see. An average person consumes the equivalent of 26 gallons of milk a year, including almost 28 pounds of cheese. I, that's an average American is 26 gallons? An average American. I am probably way over that. Me too. I love milk. I love milk. Milk is awesome. I go through like a gallon in like three days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. An eggshell can have up to 17,000 tiny pores on its surface. That's interesting. Definitely. Um, This is a cool one. An egg that is fresh will sink in the water. A stale egg will float. Wow. So if you're questioning your eggs, put them in some water. There you go. All right. Uh, last one. Uh, okay. The last two. Annually, British people eat more than 15 pounds of beans. The British love the beans, I guess. Mm. And another name for licorice is sweet wood or Spanish juice. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think that'll ever catch on. Spanish juice. You try the black Spanish juice? Uh, yeah. All right. But uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Spartan Sports Wrap this evening. Uh, definitely tune in next week for our show. Going to be a lot to cover. This is big time in sports. Coming up next is the Asian Invasion. But for the Spartan Sports Wrap, my name is Dave Rinku. I'm Megan. And you guys have a great night. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM. An exclusive podcast from Impact 89FM.